Hey guys, welcome to Because I Said So, the podcast where we discuss age and how it affects how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive others, and the conversations that we have because of it. Thank you for listening, and please leave a review to support the podcast. Thank you. We have a very special guest today. Her name is Sophie Tyler. Sophie, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, friends. I'm Sophie. I'm currently a, a senior. At- um, I've been doing theater since I was a wee tot, very small kid. Um, like I've always kind of grown up um, in and around the music industry. I really, really like performing, and I'm really happy to be here today. Yeah, and Sophie is um, so just outgoing and bright, and I think that you can really see that both in her personality and in her performance, and that kind of alludes to what we're talking about today, um, which is essentially kind of the entertainment industry and all of the perils that kind of come with it, um, especially as a woman. So kind of diving in, you mentioned you begun when you were really, really little, so kind of how did that start and what really got you into it? Yeah, when I was smaller. My parents both moved here um, with me when I was really small from New York, um, both retiring from music industry jobs. And so they were both running a full-time business. And to kind of keep me and my little sister busy during the day, they would send us to these like theater camps after school um, at National Children's Theater, which is local. Please go support because (laughs) also we're going a little broke right now because of Corona. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Going like that. Um, It was really a way of them to kind of like get us out of their hair for a little bit, but over, like, you know, um, many long course of time, um, we, I fell in love with it, uh, more than I thought I would, and it, like, going to classes after school became doing shows after school, became taking intensives, became going away for the summer to do intensives, like, stuff like that, where it was just more and more immersive in not only, like, what I wanted to do career-wise, but also just, like, finding a community of people like-minded like me who, like, understood um, what we were all doing and what we were going through. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, that sense of community, just, like, before we dive into all of that, is so, so huge. I mean, especially, um, I mean, especially right now, but also just, like, the age that we are, finding some sense of community. So can you talk, like, a little bit about how that, you feel like that's helped you Um, just going through your adolescent years and kind of finding yourself um, and having that support. Yeah, um, especially in like elementary and middle school, I've always been a very loud and like outgoing person. And when you are, you know, a girl and you're like that, sometimes people don't always meet it with the same um, treatment as they would with boys. Like I was told a lot that I was really bossy and like when I was talkative or talking about something I really enjoyed, people were like, oh, she's kind of weird. She's a little crazy. And like my interests were seen as less than, and also my knowledge of my interests were always seen as less than. Like I was always questioned if I was wearing or talked about like a certain band or a show that I really liked or a movie I was really like interested in and invested in. Um, And it always seemed to be a little belittled of that. And so when I finally found communities of theater and performance that were rooted in like female directors and people who were not only like female but like who were LGBT and who were POC like just generally more diverse people not looking at it from such a lens of privilege it was a lot easier for me to connect with not only the kids but the directors and the subject matter of the shows that I was dealing with 
And so through that, I think I kind of found more footing, um, like just as a person to be able to um, stay grounded and exist in like who I was and what I was at that time. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's so cool. And it leads us like right into what I was going to bring up like next about when you kind of started to like realize um, just like, and be aware of all of these kind of like societal norms, but also like norms within um, entertainment, which is something that we're going to dive into. Um, But I think that that is so true and so interesting that you say that because I mean, I think like a lot of times um, just like in school and stuff, you hear about like, oh, like the popular boys, like the class clowns, like the very like loud, outgoing, exuberant. But um, we still so often see that kind of quiet, feminine energy. And I totally agree with what you're saying. Like when you, when you are loud or when you are assertive, um, it, there's this sense of, I mean, there's this duality, but there's this sense of like, oh, like something's like wrong with her. Like you're not, you're not um, funny or cool in the same way that the boys are. Um, but specifically in the entertainment industry, kind of diving into that, what do you feel? I mean, obviously your experience, I think, has been a very welcoming one um, with the communities that you've been in. But what do you feel like just kind of moving forward and um, into higher levels of inter- entertainment that the ideal woman is portrayed as? Yeah, I really, really want to work in like TV and film. Like that's my alleyway. That's what I want to do. But when we look at like female tropes in film, we look at stuff like the cool girl or the mean girl or like the femme fatale or like a manic pixie dream girl or like all these tropes that are either what are built to be the ideal woman from the perspective of a man and like meant to feed a male fantasy or a character who is solely in the story in order to help a man succeed in a story. Like we see that specifically with like a manic pixie dream girl or like a fridged woman. Like, okay, for those of you who don't know, um, a fridged woman is a female character that dies um, with either no like entry to um, her own character and storyline or um, like very little of it or none at all. um, And then dies very suddenly in order to help a male protagonist kind of like find that angst he needs to do whatever he needs to do to proceed in his story and grow from whatever. Or it's like this overwhelming longing feeling of him. Like sometimes we don't even meet the fridged woman. Sometimes she's just like dead from the beginning and it's this motive for a man. Same thing goes with like a manic pixie dream girl who she doesn't die, but she's just like very quirky, very silly and doesn't have a lot of actual character development for herself, but is there solely to aid a man's story. So it's like, I can either play you know, like a cool girl or like a nice girl or girl next door or whatever and be a love interest who doesn't get her own main story because she's too focused on being the object of somebody else's affection and being that an object. Um, Or I can die, not only because I'm a woman, but because I'm also queer. So like, we're going to bury our gaze. (laughs) Or I can just like play a female version of a man. Like, there's not a lot, when I say that, I mean, like, um, characters who are written, like, male protagonists, and it kind of just ignores the fact that they're female. Um, and so it, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of female characters being written by women for women, telling female stories in a way that is um, cohesive and, like, um, tangible in a sense where a, somebody who's from an audience perspective is watching and can be like, oh, I identify with this person entirely. Like, there's not a problem I have with it. And in art, granted, nothing's going to be perfect. Somebody's always going to be mad about something. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think especially when it comes to, like, young teenage girl characters, it's 
very much like we need more characters written by women for women and who are not just pretty thin white women. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And I think that it is, it's so hard when the glass ceiling is being held down by like this strong foundation of men and specifically, you know, I mean like white men. And so I think that when you have all of them, I mean, we have Greta Gerwig directing obviously. Mm -hmm. And like, that's like great. And like, we love that, but also there's not enough. Um, as you mentioned, it's still like a lot of like white women and like these like frail white women. And even though she, I think that she is doing a lot, um, for women in kind of the entertainment industry, I think that, I mean, it's kind of like you said, the ones that are breaking down these ceilings, it's not breaking down really any um, walls. I think it's kind of like pushing a little bit of tension on them, if anything. And so kind of moving mm -hmm. forward into that, do you see any way to do this um, and really kind of change the atmosphere in a way that's not so obvious and that's not so, um, I guess, in the sense of like, we've seen like, oh, like black Ariel and stuff like that. And it's like, why can't she just like be like Ariel or stuff like that? I mean, that's a kind of a different thing because that's already like a built character. But um, yeah. in the sense that it's not so conspicuous and it's not so done outright, these are just the characters that we have. Do you see any way to yeah. do that? And how would you go about that? Uh, I think it's mostly just like, we need to put more people who of like diverse backgrounds and just diverse looks in writing rooms and directing positions and not just see them on screen because the only way you're going to get an authentic realistic story portrayed of somebody who's not only like dealt with that kind of um who's dealt with being um marginalized throughout their entire lives and also who's just like existed as a person um i'm really really tired of seeing stories like about women or about black people or about gay people that are just like about their oppression Mm -hmm. Like every story that you, that is told from a perspective of somebody who's a minority doesn't have to be about the struggle of being a minority. And I think that something that's been like a key player in um, pushing normalization of just different kinds of people is animation, which sounds kind of silly to say, but when you think about who's watching a lot of cartoons, it's kids, which is like, okay, we're going to impress this on them from a young age so that they grow to normalize it and grow to be okay with it. But like shows like a lot of Netflix has a lot of good ones. Um, specifically, I want to talk about like She-Ra, Princesses of Power, because if you want to talk about a good way to not only normalize not being like masculinity doesn't have to be so aggressive, like just femininity and guys like being okay, same sex couples all around, bisexuality as a possibility all around and like it not really mattering. And also in a way that's not so like sexualized because it's a kid's show. Like I'm really sick and tired of seeing bisexuality specifically being fetishized and used as a plot device to like be sexy when it's two girls. And then when it's guys, it's like, oh, it's either the butt of a joke or it's they're ending up together because they're the, like, they have quote unquote no other option. Mm -hmm. um, and so like showing such a normalization of it, of not only like, attraction race but also just like body types oh my god nobody on there like nobody on that show is drawn the same in the best way and it's never been throughout that entire show and the plot like it's never about them being oppressed because it's not set in our like world and in our society it's just them existing and i think that is so important to show people just existing as they are 
like in these stories. Like we don't need a black Ariel. We can just have Ariel and she happens to be black. And that we have to acknowledge that that may cause some differences in her and her life, but that doesn't mean that she isn't still a Disney princess, doesn't still like just exist as a person and not have to like showcase that she's constantly being oppressed for whatever reason. Also, yeah. like that's why I got excited about um, like the new Spider-Man that came out, um, like Into the Spider-Verse, because we got Miles Morales. Dude, you want to talk about showing a culture and like showcasing it in a great way, getting a superhero who's like so funny, so cool, like all these qualities of just a kid, like a teenage boy living out his life who just happens to be black. And I think yeah. we were supposed to be talking about the female oh, issues, no. but no. No, 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 because like, it's, it's not, yeah, I think it's hard to talk about um, female issues without kind of bridging into um, other minorities, um, such as like sexuality or race mm-hmm. or things like that, because it's, there's like this sense of shared oppression and shared like unity without that being everybody's full story. Um, and I'm actually, I'm not familiar with the Netflix show that you mentioned in like depth. I've heard it like in passing, but I think that that is so cool. And I think that even though there's obviously this intentionality behind the writing of it, um, since like, like you mentioned, it's since it's appealing more to kids, there's not as much of that recognition. That's like, this is out of the norm. And I think that, um, kind of going back to like, how do we do this without, you know, like being like, oh, um, like the black aerial kind of like thing. Um, I think that it, it will maybe appear to us a little bit more like it is um, this variation on this character until we get used to the diversification of it all. Um, kind of like what you were saying with that. Like, I think that even though we can see the intention behind them, including all these body types and um, including this like differentia- differentiation in sexuality now because we are so used to the opposite. I know that's kind of like a long-winded way to explain it, but I hope that makes sense. Yes, completely. Yeah, and so I think that I think that that's really cool. And kind of diving into a little bit more of like obviously you and I are both white, um, but diving into a little bit more um, of the diversification of race. I know talking to my sister just because she's in this industry and talking to her about oh I wouldn't have gotten any of the jobs that I've gotten if I were not like a frail white woman. Um, how what have you seen specifically in your case? Um, relating to kind of all of these things, but specifically like race and gender? Yeah, um, like at least in the theater communities, even locally, like I see a lot of specifically black women being cast as the quote unquote same type, even when they like look nothing alike, vocally are nothing alike, bring very different um, styles of acting to the table, like are very different people, but because it's like, oh, we already have one token black girl, we don't need another. Like that's an issue I've seen really big specifically in Nashville theater communities. And it's really upsetting because it's, we're losing talent essentially. Cause like, if you have people who bring something so different to the table, why not include that? And then also looking at the last Broadway season, like Hamilton was a big deal for a reason. And not only because of like, casting diversity, but because it was one of the first, no, it was the first show to make sure in contract that everybody was being paid an equal wage, regardless of gender, sexuality, or race, which should be the norm. Oh my God, should be the norm. And it, I like have so much respect for that entire casting crew for like really making sure that was a 
factor that got pushed. But if you look at like me, I can like scroll through playbills or like what shows were on Broadway this year and I can identify with a character who looks like me and who's like of who I could realistically play in almost every show. Yeah. That wouldn't happen if I wasn't like white and skinny and a girl. It wouldn't. And then I'm like, okay, well, taking a step back, what if I wasn't? How many people can I identify with now if I'm not white, tall, skinny, whatever? Like, you can't. And it's, again, a matter of pushing people into those directing positions to tell, like, more accurate stories. And also just to get, like, I... (laughs) We need to be able to look up at people who look like us. And when that's not there... What does that tell you about the beauty standard that you're not meeting? And when we push such a, such a Eurocentric beauty standard, an idea of what a woman should be, especially onto young kids, that's going to mess them up in the head. Yeah. Oh, like a lot. Yeah. And just like not only pushing the fact that, oh, you're not valid and you're not, you know, worth as much as whoever because of your skin color, but also like if you don't if you're not like a size two or like you don't fit these exact measurements that are listed wherever or like anything essentially. And this is why inclusion and diversity in media is so important. Yeah. I think there's so much in there to talk about. Firstly, like the, the first um, like complacency of directors or writers or stuff to feel like it's enough to put one type to be like, okay, we have somebody who's LGBTQ. Okay, great. We have like a black woman. Okay, great. And then to kind of like move forward and to not like reconsider just based on talent. Like you said, like it's enough to have, um, quote unquote, enough to have like one of this minority and to feel like it's enough. And I think, um, cause I know that you've done a lot of theater, the things that I'm more familiar with, um, because of my sister and then me when I was younger, this is like I just like a little bit of stuff, but it's definitely not to the level that you have. But um, it's difficult with like on screen stuff because you'll see you'll see this part and it's it's dictated and it's like, okay, white female, like 10 to 12, something like that. And you're like, okay, well, you already have your standards laid out. Like it's very hard um, for anybody else to really enter into that because it's like they've already set it up. They're like, okay, like brown hair, like blue eyes, like great. This is what like we want. And I think I think it's really difficult um to do that and kind of like you said with like the things on broadway i think some of these stories that we have we need we just need a lot of new writing because if we keep trying to tell these same stories and we keep trying to include like different minorities it's just not authentic because these stories were not written not that again not that you have to um tell their stories with oppression like you can have a story of just like a normal human living their life that can be played by either like race, um, like, I mean, differentiation in either race or in gender or in sexuality or anything like that. Um, But I think a lot of the stories that we have are written with like that Eurocentric beauty standard in mind. I think that it's so difficult. And like you mentioned, especially with, I think, body image and entertainment, that is huge, whether you are acting or dancing or anything like that. Um, Eating disorders are so, so, so prevalent and it's there's just so much that goes on um in media whether it be print or film or anything like that that is just so mismanaged and so harmful yeah and like going off of your eating disorder point like 
I find that at least with me and my family, because my little sister like really wants to model. She can, she's amazing. She's like, has the confidence for it, keeps up the lifestyle for it. Like I'm very, we are all so supportive of her. However, of course there was that worry of, Ooh, let's hope she's not starving herself and make sure she's actually eating and not getting crazy about measurements of her body. And like, Mm -hmm. I've literally had nights where I've cried in the mirror to myself over like my legs or over my thighs or over cellulite. And I'm like, why, why does that matter out of everything? Why am I so upset about something that one, I can't, even if we all like ate the same stuff, did the same workouts, we'd have different bodies. I, we all can't minutely control every little detail about our bodies. So why am I letting it get to me so much? And it's like, oh, because it's been drilled in my head since I was a small little kid, a little girl, that I need to look, act, and be a certain way in order to be successful in the industry that I want to be in. Mm-hmm. And when it looks like a quick fix is to just starve yourself, that's where a lot of girls are going to go to because they're not given the tools to obtain um, the lifestyle that would like perpetually sustain that. And yeah. even then, if that lifestyle doesn't bring you joy, why abide by it? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, for me specifically, I have a really big issue with people being like, this food is bad and this food is good. Oh, me food too. Is just me fuel. too. Yeah. And or like being shamed if I, like I work at an ice cream shop. Let me have ice cream if I want to have ice cream. It's not going to kill me. Like, yes, in moderation, but it's not going to kill me. Yeah. Um, and I think like, labeling foods as good and bad is just so gross. Bizarre. Yeah. 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 Somebody who I love and like will listen to talk about anything all day and every day is Jamila Jamil. And she's done some like amazing stuff with Ai Wei and just like talking to other celebrities about body image. Um, she has two really good interviews with Lizzo and Sam Smith um, talking about that kind of stuff. And just like, it's a matter of like, I'm trying to incorporate more people uh, who act like her and who showcase things that she's showcasing and talk about things that she's talking about into my life. So I'm not consuming as much content that I know is going to make me feel bad. And yeah. again, that goes off like, let's talk about diversity and like people who are not fitting a standard of cis, straight, white, skinny, pretty. Mm. And let's have them talk about these issues because it's going to just normalize being different, which is so important. Yeah. And I think, I think it's huge to be able to have, I mean, you hear about it all the time, like the cliches, like, oh, well, like you have social media and these different platforms now, but I really do think that that is so huge in normalizing these um, different standards of beauty and just different stories. And I mean, there's so much that I could say about um, like the eating stuff and disordered eating and diet culture, especially when it comes to entertainment. I know that in my family, my mom was a dancer and she struggled with her eating. My sister um, in acting struggled with her eating and I struggled too. And that's part of the reason that I don't like do as much um, in the entertainment industry anymore is because it's just so harmful and it's drilled into your head so much because there is this um, portrayal of like the white femininity of like being the fragile one and being like, and I think that going back to what we were talking about earlier, another thing about like being like the token black girl, they always play like the more aggressive, um, more just out there roles um, that aren't, yeah, that aren't as um, what, as, feminine as quote unquote as what we would normally portray Mm -hmm. and kind of um moving forward into like the social media thing 
do you really feel like it is getting better, um, specifically like in the entertainment industry? Because I think that there's um, this perception and there's this almost complacency that like, oh, because we are including these people, quote unquote, including them, that it is getting better. Um, or do you feel like it's kind of there is that sense of complacency and kind of what's your take on all of that? I feel like in some aspects it's getting better and some it's just people being complacent. Like when I talk about this all the time, but there's a reason that euphoria resonates so much with audiences and young people because it's a more diverse cast. It's not the most diverse, but it's more diverse in terms of body image, sexuality, like telling those stories and also race. And also like Hunter Schaefer, what a, I don't want to curse. What a freaking icon. I love her so much. And, like, what a way to tell a trans story without making it about oppression. Oh, my God. It's just a teenage girl living her freaking life. And also, like, normalizing a woman-love-woman relationship on screen without making it a big deal, without anybody having to label anything or, like, have a big coming-out moment. Like, I could go, I love Euphoria. Really, I do so much. Um, but it's, like, shows like that. Shows, like... Um, Oh my God, Dear White People on Netflix, go mm -hmm. watch it. If you have, anybody, if you haven't watched it, go watch it right now. It's incredible. And it talks about all of these tropes of what Black people have been placed into, like, in Hollywood. And it comments on all of these different aspects of, like, we don't have to stereotype people of different races, sexualities, genders, whatever, to fit these tropes that no longer fit with the people who exist in our society. Art is a reflection of life. Like, um... Art imitates life. Life imitates art. Whatever. Same thing. It works both ways. And the key to that is that it does work both ways. If your media isn't reflecting the kids and the people you are trying to um, showcase to, and it doesn't represent your audience in a way that accurately displays who they are, you're not doing your job right. You're not. Yeah. And like that goes into like so much of also we need to then see those people to feel like are we as people like watching the show are valid in our our in our identities to be different that it's just so important like i that's what we keep coming back to but i like cannot stress that enough yeah. um i feel like a lot of stuff is also really rooted in who wins awards because awards have a lot to do with funding and then we look at the oscars and we're like oh how many, how many female directors are there up here? Like mm -hmm. one, two, they're not going to win. Oh, okay. That's fine. No, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And I and think when we get into the, sorry, go. Oh, no, I was just gonna say, I think that we have seen some of like, um, among like the public, like the general public, there's been a, like a little bit of like an outcry about that stuff. And it still seems that there's not as much changing, but I think that foundationally, like when we recognize it, there is some power in that. And I think that it, um, if, if we can uphold these, um, different organizations, whether it's like the Academy, stuff like that to a higher standard and we can call them out and be like, I see you doing this. Like I, we see what's going on. Like we're not standing for this. Then there's power in that. And I also think that what you, what you said there, like the art imitates life, kind of like the back and forth of that is huge because I think that it touches on a subject that not a lot of people, um, often look at in the sense of like, if you start to end these different um, stereotypes and tropes and um, and the suppression in the arts, then you are working towards, uh, like in a great sense, ending it in our lives and ending it in our countries and our nations. Like it is 
it's a gateway, really. If you're looking to start somewhere, I mean, not obviously, it's not the only place to start. And I'm fully aware that we are two white women speaking on issues yes. that are much greater than um, we can comprehend. But I think that that is a really big, huge gateway that is so often um, undermined and overlooked. And again, it just goes into, we need more people of diverse backgrounds in writing rooms and in director positions and in more positions of production. We do. Yeah. Um, I had another point and it just went out of my head, oh, <laughs> which no, is you're great. Good. You're totally fine. I was just gonna say kind of um, coming to a close with everything and looking into like your future um, in this, how um, as a white woman and that, I mean, obviously as a woman, you don't have as much power, but being someone who's white and kind of being able to fit some of those standards, like you said, that are already there for you um, and kind of being able to gain some sense of power and some foothold. How do you, um, looking forward, want to try to go about remedying some of this and use whatever influence that you gain and have um, to help the situation in the entertainment industry? Yeah. Um, as far as my like career goals, I really, really want to act and work in film and TV and like music as well. But like eventually in the future, I would love to own and have my own production company where I'm allowed to pick and choose what stories we get to tell. Mm -hmm. And if those stories can be more inclusive of people from every kind of background and every kind of diversity and give um, lesser known like artists the opportunity to tell stories that they feel are really important and telling that's the goal like yeah. being able to use your privilege to give a voice to those people and like give them a platform and a leg up just so they can get a foot in the door would be amazing and like that's all i could hope for is the fact that like hopefully one day i won't have to be the one at the head of a production company or like reese witherspoon who's a, you know another white woman who i love and gets to tell very very interesting and intricate um stories um yeah like hopefully people um who are white won't have to be the ones giving people a leg up to like tell the stories that are most um the most impactful and the ones that need to be told yeah i think that that's so beautiful. Um, and one thing that I mean, looking forward into college and all of that, that I started to like look into is I want to do writing in some format, whether that be journalism, whether it be screenwriting. And I think that what you said is so beautiful that hopefully we won't have to be the ones to give people a leg up, but if we can in some avenue help other people to tell their stories, then that is beautiful and amazing. And I want to thank you so much for being on today. You are just such a bright light um, and so precious in so many ways. So yeah, thank you so much. My heart. Oh my God. Thank you. This is lovely. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, of course. I am just amazed and inspired by you in so many ways. And I cannot see, I cannot wait to see what you do and just how you change the world around you. Um, and thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Have a great day and please um, share, like, and subscribe. And yeah, thank you.